Hello and welcome to our London History Podcast, where we share our love of London, its people, places and history in 20-minute episodes. I am your host, Hazel Baker, a qualified London tour guide and CEO and founder of London Guided Walks. Find us on Twitter at guided underscore walks, Instagram at walk underscore London, or indeed we're also on Facebook at London Guided Walks. We have lots of lovely guided walks, private tours, treasure hunts, virtual tours, virtual treasure hunts for Londoners and visitors alike to enjoy. And all the information you can find for that is on our website, londonguidedwalks.co.uk. Our blog is regularly updated with posts written by our passionate team of qualified London tour guides. And there are literally hundreds for you to choose from, all absolutely free. And don't forget, also, we have show notes attached to every single episode with a transcript and any photos, maps or videos that we may have as well. Thank you so much for everybody supporting. We have now 25,000 downloads, which is amazing. So thank you very much. And thank you to all of those who have written a review or at least ticked the stars. And if you haven't, please, please do that. Um, This is how we share our love of London with others. We've had some really nice comments from several teachers, actually. Um, Roman London, an introduction, and also the Black Death, and also our Frost Fairs podcasts have been rather popular because, of course, children are learning about this in school. So if you know a teacher um, who is stuck for inspiration on how to get the kids engaged, then maybe 20 minutes of a podcast can give them a little bit of help there. Right, now on with the show. Joining me in the studio today is City of London tour guide Ian McDermott. Hello there. Uh, thanks for joining us today because we are going to be talking about medieval London friaries, aren't we? Yep, that's right. And I think maybe the best question to uh, start off with is, um, well, what is a friary and who were the friars? Yeah, the friars begin at the beginning of the 13th century and the, the first two orders of them are the Dominicans and the Franciscans. And these are founded by St. Dominic and St. Francis of Assisi. And the things that characterise the friars are a commitment to poverty, which monks in theory were signed up for, but they weren't necessarily great at following. And perhaps the most important distinction is that they would go out and preach. And uh, St. Francis, when he starts, he goes around barefoot with four companions. And the idea is that teach the gospel of Christ through words, but also through his example, through his commitment to poverty. So when we think of Friar Tuck in Robin Hood times, is he, he's a friar then? Yes, I wouldn't like to say which order he belonged to, <laughs> but yes, he, he's a friar. And you can, in a way you can tell he's a friar because he's out and about. He's not. Mm-hmm. Well, this is one of the key distinctions is that monks live in monasteries and they don't go outside the monastery. And the monastery is um, kind of like a, a sort of powerhouse giving prayer the whole time. And one other important aspect of this is that their liturgy, that is the liturgy of monks, takes pretty much all day. I mean, if you read about medieval monks and follow what they're actually doing, basically all day long, they're they're praying. I mean, they they make modifications to that. And yet our friars, who we're talking about today, they go out and into the community and they preach. Now, they're following, like the monks, they're following um, religious, a religious rule, hence the word regular from the Latin regulus rules covers both of them. But in the case of the friars, the, the liturgy is very much reduced. So they spend um, fewer hours each day uh, in, in, in prayer and they've got more time to devote to... Outreach programmes. 
Yeah, it is. It is a kind of medieval outreach program, and th this is one reason why the the church, the church in general, is very suspicious of innovation. But they 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 take these on, and they take them on for two reasons. For one, the church at this time was facing a little local difficulty in the south of France in the form of Catharism. And the Cathars were heretics. They believed in dualism. They believed that the physical world was created by the devil and the spiritual world was created by God. This was a very powerful um, uh, powerful religion and it was led by men called Parfait who were the equivalent of priests and they were very spiritual, very disciplined. And the preaching orders, and in particular the Dominicans, were very useful in combating this heresy. And the second reason, because these friars were very well suited from the church's point of view to reaching urban populations which weren't necessarily particularly well served by the parish clergy, and, and hence cities like London you, you get the friaries. And London has far more friaries than any, any anywhere else in, in, in England. How many friaries did London have? Well, it's a little bit complicated. Five main ones, but there were a brief period for about 50 years. There was a very small order called the Sack Friars, and there was also an order called the Pied Friars, though they were out uh, towards uh, Covent Garden. Uh, but they don't last very long. But there, there are five big ones. They're the Black Friars, the Dominicans, the Franciscans, the Grey Friars, the White Friars, the Carmelites, the Crutch Friars and the Austin Friars. Well, perhaps the best friars to start off with are the most famous in London, which are the Black Friars, because there's a train and tube station there. Not only a train and tube station, Hazel, but also a pub. Oh, yes, the pub. <laughs> oh, how could I have forgotten? Yeah, one we like. So if you imagine that you've gone out of Blackfriars Station, and I guess for people who don't know London well, how Right easy... by Blackfriars Bridge. Right by Blackfriars yep. Bridge and opposite... The Unilever building. Yeah. Good, good, good. So if you come out of uh, Blackfriars Station and turn slightly to your right, so you're facing directly north, um, you find yourself in a rather unpleasant spot. Unpleasant because there's all the rush of the commuters who have been using the mainline rail station and the underground stations behind you, but also you're on a major road junction. And uh, in front of you, running directly northwards, is a big uh, road, New Bridge Street. To your right, sweeping down towards you from a sort of east-north-easterly direction, is Queen Victoria Street. Again, another major thoroughfare. And then behind you, continuing New Bridge Street, going south over the river, is Blackfriars Road Bridge. And then finally, on the other side of the junction, there is a, a slip road for traffic coming towards you from the west to the east who are running along the embankment which runs along the Thames and they can take this slip road to join this junction. But that was very different though in 1300s wasn't it? Yeah completely and I think this is one of the, the attractions for me and I think for you as well mm -hmm. particularly the city of London where so little of the fabric remains but trying to imaginatively reconstruct what it looked like and these places were so important as well. So the first thing to say that if we go back to 1300 where we're standing, you wouldn't be able to stand because you'd be in the Thames. So we, we have to imagine ourselves on a, on, on a boat because Queen Victoria Street um, marks the northern bank of the Thames. And then if you remember, I was also talking about the other one other major thoroughfare, which is uh, New Bridge Street, which runs from the north to the south. No Blackfriars Bridge behind you back then. The only way to cross the river was at London Bridge. So north today, you've got this big road, New Bridge Street. That wasn't there. New Bridge Street is on the site of the Fleet River, which uh, runs rather diminished today under uh, underneath it. Mm -hmm. So 
you, this site is very, very important, and you're looking at the, a corner of where two major waterways meet, the, the, the fleet, which is the largest tributary of the Thames within London, and then the Thames itself. So if I was uh, a layman uh, wanting to get into the precinct of Blackfriars, uh, where would I go? Well, you'd have to wander all the way up to the north. So I should say that from our little spot where, the, where these rivers meet, the, the, the other thing you could see apart from the rivers meeting are this huge brick wall, which, as you've mentioned, um, they, this brick wall went around the precinct of the, the Friar of the Dominicans. And to get into this as a layman, you'd have to, or laywoman, you'd have to go um, right up to um, what is uh, Ludgate Hill, walk along there and if you're walking towards St Paul's uh, St, uh, St Paul's Cathedral um, on your right would be a little lane that would take you down off uh, Ludgate Hill and towards this precinct wall and you'd be met by this huge gate. Now if you were really important you could access the Friary from another route and that is where we were where we were sitting in our little boat there'd be a little gate down there and that was probably the main gate for important visitors mm -hmm. and this Priory was so important that when Henry VIII entertains the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V Charles V actually stays in Blackfriars they have sittings of Parliament in Blackfriars and when Henry VIII has the court to examine the validity of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon i.e. he wants to start get ridding get rid of her he has cardinal wolsey and cardinal campeggio they have a little court to examine the legitimacy of the marriage and it takes place in blackfriars so it's enormously important mm -hmm. and this precinct is huge um it's eight acres and to put that in some kind of context um an acre is that uh, there are one and a half acres in a football pitch and this was the largest precinct in London after that of St Paul's Cathedral. Wow. So if I have uh, gone through the, the main gate in the north, um, what would I have seen? Well, first of all, you'd have come across the uh, graveyard and the graveyard wasn't just for the monks, it was also for people. And this is a common feature of the friaries and um, indeed some other houses in London that you'd have um, a main road, a gate, a graveyard... And then to the south of the graveyard, you have the big church itself. And the, the church was substantial. This one was 245 feet long, I think. And then as lay people, you wouldn't really be able to get much beyond the church because the rest of the, the friary is it's sort of private ground for the friars. And immediately to the, the south of this big church were two very substantial uh, um, cloisters and also very large gardens and within the, the cloisters were the chapter house. Now, with regard to Blackfriars, and indeed with regard to the other friaries, there is very, very little remaining today. So enormously important, huge, huge sites, huge importance politically, great impact on the, on, on the landscape of London, but very, very little survives. And if you want to find anything, the only bit of Blackfriars that's easily accessible is that if you go roughly into the middle of this precinct area, uh, you will find uh, Old St Anne's uh, Churchyard, which is in Ireland Yard. And there they've got a big piece of stone, a big piece of masonry, which belonged to the original chapter house. And the reason they don't survive is because of the dissolution uh, when the properties were, were sold off, the materials were robbed. And then the Great Fire of 1666 put pay to a lot of them. Despite these two great crises, one bit of the London Friaries did survive. The uh, Austin Friars, the nave of their friary, survived as the so-called Dutch Church 
all the way up to the 20th century, but unfortunately it was destroyed in a, in a bombing raid in 1940, in the Blitz. So these fireys really would have stood out, wouldn't they? Yes, they would have done, and they're just part of the um, ecclesiastical landscape. So we've got over 100 parish churches, um, we've got the great Cathedral of St Paul's, we've got the various monasteries and John Stowe, the great chronicler of London, who is writing at the end of the 16th century, he's very useful as a source because although he's a bit later than this period, he gives a kind of walking tour through the, the, the wards, the administrative districts of the cities. And he counts about 20 monastic houses within the precincts and sitting on the boundaries of, of the city. So there's a huge number of religious buildings. And not only is there a huge number, there's also the, the precincts, which would have stood out again because they'd been very dominant, but also unusual because they've got big gardens in them, though as, as we think indicated as, as a layperson, you wouldn't necessarily have access to them. But the, the other really key thing about these religious buildings is that they're all built of stone. And the secular, i.e. non-religious buildings, apart from the Guildhall, which is the great administrative centre of London, are largely built of timber. So they, they really would have stood out to somebody uh, walking through London at this time. Mm, and something you've, you've said but maybe not stated is that the London, you know, we're, we're very able to walk up and down streets now and access London. But that wasn't the case in medieval society, was it? You had the religious precincts and also the guilds. All of these are walled and not areas that you can necessarily enter. So you weren't really free to wander around London. That is something of a very new concept. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Though We need to qualify that in the case of the friars because um, what we've said already is that one of the big distinctions is that they're a little bit more open to um, lay society than the, the monasteries are. And they would actually welcome people into the first part of their precincts as part of their preaching remit. And I was describing um, how big Blackfriars Church was. The largest church in, in London after St Paul's was that of Greyfriars, which from memory was 299 feet long. And the way this works is that when the friars initially get established, they build small chapels. But then in the, the third quarter of the 13th century, so the 1270s, 1280s, around that time, they generally massively enlarge their churches. And this is when the Greyfriars big church is built. It's when, when the Dominicans build theirs. And the reason they want such big churches is partly to sort of show off and show their presence. But also it's practical because they presumably wanted to fill these naves with people listening to them preaching. And you also need to have a large choir as well, because the choir is where the friars will be uh, officiating. So if you've got a, a large choir, you're going to have an, a, an even bigger nave. So th these are very, very impressive churches. So you said about how these friars go out into the community. Other than preaching, what do they do? Well, the main other thing that distinguishes the friars is the commitment to poverty. Now, Monks, when they first get going as religious orders, they all have a commitment to poverty, but it gets left by the wayside to varying degrees. And the friars really reinvigorate this. And they are known as the mendicant orders. And mendicant means begging. And in the early days, 
at the time of Dominic and St Francis, they did beg. And interestingly, when they went begging, they weren't allowed to beg for money. They could beg for food, they could beg for clothes, but, but not for money. And they maintain this commitment to poverty to varying degrees. The order that really does maintain it is the Franciscans. And for the early part of the history, for example, the Franciscans are banned from handling money, which slightly complicates a lot of their, 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 business, their business dealings. Now, it's difficult really to establish to what extent they carried on begging. I don't think they did very much, maybe the Franciscans a little bit. But what is certainly the case is that the receiving of arms, ALMS, remains a very important part. And it looks as though arms were perhaps the second most important source of uh, money for, second source of revenue for, for the friaries. And it may sound a bit odd to say that they weren't out begging, but they were receiving alms. But alms covers the sort of high end of charitable giving. So if you were a wealthy pe person, um, you might give the monks uh, all food, say. And there's an example of another friary, not in London, where the king, uh, who's obviously a, a very desirable uh, alms giver, gives all the friars a pair of shoes each. Oh, very nice. Hmm. So hearing all of this, then, I think that uh, Friar Tuck was uh, very good in his endeavour. What, because he had a nice tummy, you mean? Yes. Yeah, and there's also nice statues of Blackfriars outside the Blackfriars pub who are a little bit on the paunchy side. And I think this popular image of the Friars leads into an interesting question, which is how they were regarded by Londoners. And it's very difficult to reconstruct. I mean, some writers writing about religion at this, at this point think of the Catholic Church as being full of ridiculous ceremonies which nobody took too seriously and resented the opulence of these of religious people in general and who, who saying that they didn't do very much work they were very idle on the other hand there have been revisionist historians since the 1980s who have tried to emphasize the deep popularity of uh, medieval Catholicism within England. And turning to the friars, we don't have much evidence, but what we can say is that people, Londoners, wealthy Londoners, were leaving bequests in their wills to friars and indeed asking to be buried within the friars right up to the dissolution of the friars in 1538. But on the other hand, we can also see that when the houses are dissolved, there's only, there's only a very few friars in them there might be 15 or 20 whereas in their heyday the Dominicans for example who were the largest they had they had a hundred or so friars uh, before the Black Death and that might indicate some waning of the the ideal idealism behind it and finally one other indication of possible waning of the the friars mission was that when we come to the dissolution only one of these London friars the white friars the Carmelites present any kind of opposition to it and this may well be self-interest it may be the priors just sort of thinking oh well, we know what's coming um, but it could also be that the priors themselves have been won over to some extent to the reformed ideals and an interesting example of this is Austin friars where Thomas Cromwell the architect of the English Reformation architect of the dissolution he goes to live in Austin friars he's, he's granted uh, two the use of a very substantial tenement there and that may well be an indication of the prior working in 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 hand with with, with Cromwell and sympathizing with with what he's trying to do hmm. and you've done two other medieval themed podcasts haven't you uh, the black death oh yes 
Yes, and also medieval guilds. Yes. So if you haven't listened to those, then you want to immerse yourself more into the medieval world, then you can listen to both of those. Also, if people want to get out and about, then there's uh, several walks that they can do to join us, aren't there? You do a very good uh, medieval London walk. Yes, and very much looking forward to doing that again when the lockdown restrictions end. We're all going to be very keen to get going, aren't we, I think? <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. And then I also deliver a Best of Blackfriars talk. Oh, yes, I like that one, yeah. Yeah, so it's not all medieval. We do a bit of Roman, and yeah. yeah. But we do basically walk the precinct of Blackfriars. We get to see that bit of masonry that you were talking about oh, good. Uh, from the parish church. Um, so the theme is Blackfriars, so we get to go travel through history and time on that one. And that's all for now. We'll see you next week.